Welcome to Courageous Parenting Podcast, a weekly show to equip parents with biblical truth on raising confident Christian kids in an uncertain world. Hi, I'm Angie from Courageous Mom. And I'm Isaac from Resolute Man. We've been married for 21 years and have seen the fruit from raising our eight kids biblically based on the raw truth found in the Bible. We can no longer let the culture win the hearts of children. Too many children from Christian families are walking away from their faith by age 18. And it doesn't have to be this way. It shouldn't be this way. Join us as we start an important conversation about effective parenting in the following world. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. So glad you're here with us. I know it's been me for I think the last four episodes now. Angie will be back soon. Thank you for your prayers as our little baby Xander is back to birth weight. Should be by today. So it took a series of weeks to do that, but praise God, he's healthy and uh, doing well. And Angie is doing well too. So I thought, and she thought, Wow, it'd be so important for her to have a break in a great postpartum. So I am really encouraged, though, because our listenership has remained the same. I pray and hope that you get more from this episode again and that it's edifying to you. We're talking about how to teach the Bible to your family. And when you hear that title, you might think different things to yourself. You're like, thank you you so much. I've been waiting for this. Or, you know, I'm pretty good at doing that. I do that with my family, but I'd love to hear your tips. Or, you know, I'm really good at that. I wonder if I'm going to gain something from this. And as always, I would just encourage you to have an open heart. And whether you're the mom or the dad listening, you're both incredibly important people to teach the Bible. In fact, there is nobody in this world more important than each of you in teaching the Bible to your children, they it is way more powerful, as you heard at the end of the last podcast, it's way more powerful that they hear from you. So anyways, we're going to dive into this. I want to talk about some limiting beliefs first, though, that often happen and creep in that prevent us, even prevent me from time to time, from teaching the Bible to your family. And one of those First ones is I'm not a teacher. That is not my spiritual gifting or I am not good at teaching the Bible or teaching other things either. And I want you just to know that while everybody has different giftings, while you may not have the gift of teaching, you are a teacher. God made you a teacher when he gave you kids and you're the most important teacher for them. And even if your words aren't eloquent and as good as Maybe you think others are, they're the most important, you're the most important person for them to hear it from, and they want to hear it from you, even though it doesn't always appear that way. So it is vital that you throw away that limiting belief. When it comes to your family, you are a teacher, you're the most important teacher, whether you're the mom or dad, you're very, very important, you're both very important, and it's important that both actually are teachers to your kids, because I think... People, kids get something different from dads and something different from moms, and together it's completeness. Now, that being said, if you're a single mom listening in or even a single dad, my heart goes out to you. You're filling both of those roles. You just do the best you can, and God has mercy, and God will make it all work, right? So praise God for your diligence in listening. Now, the other limiting belief is don't know the Bible. I really just don't know the Bible. I just, uh, I'm not versed in it. Uh, you might say, well, it seems like, Isaac, you're versed in it. 
uh, people, pastors and so forth that teach the Bible are way better than me, you might be thinking, and so forth. And I would just say that is a horrible excuse. You could have opened the Bible three times in your life before, and you can still teach the Bible. You don't have to be an expert to teach it. You could literally read it and ask people what they think and just read a little bit and it'd be edifying to your family. And the more you do it, it's just like working out. If you're working out, what happens? You technically rip muscle, right? And it grows back stronger, as I understand it. So what you're doing is you're literally getting stronger every time you're building up spiritual muscles of doing it better and better and better the more you do it. And so I would say all the more reason why you need to do as often as possible because you don't have experience in it. And what better way to learn it than teach it? Teaching something is the best way to learn something. It's the accountability. But I will tell you, I've read the Bible way more than I would have because I have kids and I feel a responsibility to teach it to them. So I'm learning along with them often, and that's okay. In fact, it teaches humility. And sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes I interpret something wrong and I've had my kids correct me. Now you might just have little kids and that's okay. But I remember, um, Kelsey, uh, corrected me a couple of times and I was so appreciative of that. That's your moment of truth right there is, and I was actually just so proud of her. I was like, wow, she knows her Bible. This is so cool. Actually, you're right. And we talk about it. And what do they see there? They see also something exemplified that they don't have to be experts to do this to their kids. I saw my dad not always do it perfectly and be open to correction. And what does that tell them? They should be open to correction too. And you're creating a culture of receiving feedback, which is important. My wife, Angie, has added so much good texture when I'm teaching the Bible, which is wonderful after I'm done. And every once in a while, shared a little different slant on it. And sometimes she has been correct and I've been wrong and vice versa. And I think that's important for them to see that and us not get frustrated with each other in front of each other. It's a good test. So don't know the Bible. That is a very poor excuse. And you need to get rid of that and start reading your Bible privately for your own walk with God and then start reading it to your kids and family. Uh, The family's not interested. I've done it before, and they're really not very interested in the Bible when I read it and when I talk to them about it. And I would say there's a lot of dynamics going in a family. The more kids you have, the more noisy it can be, right? And the more interruptions there can be. And if you have really little kids, it's hard to keep their attention sometimes. So I would say it's not that they're not interested, Are you picking the best time to do it? Are you setting them up for success with you? Are you giving them notice that we're going to be doing this? And are you talking as a married couple so your wife can help set the stage or or you can help to set the stage if the wife is teaching, doing Bible time in the day, maybe before you go to work, set the stage, make sure you learn from mom today and you're good students and especially when she's reading the Bible to you guys and these kinds of things. Help each other to support it being a good time. Now, it is important to try not to be boring. I'm boring sometimes. I get feedback by seeing restlessness and things like that. Maybe I'm going too long. We need to think about these things, but don't just cop out and go, my family's not interested. They very much are interested. There's just maybe some tweaks that need to be made and some communication in your marriage and Sometimes you might need to stop and just communicate to your family and go, hey, I really desire to teach you the word of God and 
I'm a human too. And it's discouraging when people aren't listening. And, and I want you guys to listen. This is the word of God. And, and get excited about it. And they'll snap right back into listening to you, uh, which is great. Okay. Kids are too old now. I never did this. And my kids are too old now. And it's just not going to work. I would just do it. The Bible is so powerful. It's incredible. In 1 Corinthians 2, 1, it says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So literally, are we trusting the power of God? Are we trusting that his word is what matters, not how well we speak it? Are we believing that we are occupied by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will intervene when we try and do good things that God wants us to do for the edification of our family and the spiritual growth of our family? We need to trust that. Are you doing it in your own strength? Or are you trusting the Holy Spirit to shine through you as you do it? There's so many times where, how did that happen? Where did that come from? Wow. That was really clever. That was really interesting how that got connected to what's happening in the world. And well, I never thought of that before until I shared it with my family. So many times the Holy Spirit is teaching me things as I'm teaching. It's just wonderful. And it doesn't happen that way all the time. But when it does, I'm just in awe afterwards. I'm like, wow, I'm so glad I broke through my insecurities and I rejected passivity today. And I read the word of God, even though it wasn't prepared at all. And the Holy Spirit showed up and did something really cool in the family time. And the interactions about God's word were so rich and amazing. And what came out of the kids' mouths was incredible. The Holy Spirit is doing something in my family. Wow, I'm so glad I initiated. Guys, we're to be initiators. I initiated. I'm so glad I initiated and God took over. You know, that happens. It's not having eloquence. It's not coming with perfection. Paul didn't want that, in fact. Because he didn't want people to look at him as, wow, he's amazing. He wanted them to look at, wow, God's word is amazing. God is amazing, as he says there. Okay, So your older kids will be impacted by the Holy Spirit working through you. Trust that. Kids are too young. Well, there's some things to do differently when the kids are young, but they're never too young. Plus, you got your marriage. Shouldn't you be reading the Bible together, discussing the Bible together? These kinds of things. Maybe you just have a two and a four-year-old at home. Well, don't you want to work that muscle while they're young? And boy, they are taking things in. They may not be able to say every word yet, depending on how old they are, but they are taking everything you say and do in. They're visibly seeing the physical Bible opening and you reading to your family. The kids, never too young. Do it. Not as good as other online pastors. I addressed this at the end of the last podcast. But you're the dad, you're the mom, you are more important to speak it uh, than anybody else. And when it comes from you, it's more impactful, more of an influence than the very best, most eloquent preacher imaginable. And I just addressed this with Paul in 1 Corinthians 2. But just remember that you are important. It, there's no comparison game. There's no comparison. And guys, if your wife is sending you links to great sermons from pastors or and maybe you're sending the links to your wife and back and forth and you're discussing it. Don't be intimidated by so-and-so that's been doing this for 20 years 
and it's their job to prepare and they spend all week, not all week, but a portion of their week preparing a sermon. Some of these pastors spend five, 10, 15 hours preparing a sermon. If you're working full-time and you're not a pastor, you don't have time to do that level and you don't need it. You don't need anywhere near that time. I'm talking about maybe 15 minutes of prep time. As you get better, even less prep time to teach your family on a day. Sometimes no prep time, you do it anyways. We're talking something completely different here. Do not compare to the pastors out there. Uh, your words of encouragement and speaking the Bible are so powerful. Definitely do it. Okay, we're going to dive into the tips here. Those are just limiting beliefs I wanted to make sure you did not have and you get rid of because I some of those seep in for me sometimes and they prevent me from initiating and then I feel bad afterwards and that's the Holy Spirit that prompted me and then later I feel guilty a little bit for not obeying God and I hope you feel that when you don't do it so that you do it the next time okay well thank you for being part of the the movement here it's so we're so thankful that we get to participate with you and do this we our hearts desire we feel god has prompted us to impact one million families and their legacies so it's even beyond a million legacies and it's really encouraging to get your feedback when you share and itunes give written uh, feedback and five-star reviews all that helps the algorithms get it out there more so we're really encouraged this year a lot has happened in our family, but we've stayed the course no matter what every week to give you free content through the podcast and so forth. And if you want to help the movement, sharing and all that's great. If you want to donate, CourageousParenting.com, plus all the show notes and everything are there for this. And there's also courses, the Parenting Mentor Program. You can join over 2,000 parents that have gained from that, raving about it. It become part of the Courageous Parenting community in the private group where you can ask any questions of all of these incredible people, all aged kids, you know, some amazing single moms, single dads, and amazing parents, amazing marriages with from, you know, about to have their first kid to up to 10 kids, you know? So it's in all in between, lots of families with two, three, four kids, and it's just a wonderful group. So if you want to be part of that, also the homeschool blueprint, people are raving about that. We've had about a thousand people buy that since it was created last year, and it just helps us be able to dedicate full time to ministry and support our family. And so we really appreciate it. Okay, the process in teaching your family the Bible. First of all, you're going to pick your scripture, right? And to just eliminate that barrier, I usually just pick a book in the Bible. Because if I have to pick a new scripture every day, that's too hard. It's just too hard for me. I just won't do it as often, i found, unless I have a book and I just go to the next piece. And you might find this surprising, but I never skip scripture. So if there's a tough thing in the Bible, I read the tough thing. And you know what? Little kids don't always understand the depth of the toughness of what I'm reading. And I might make it lighter for them. Or I'll say things, since I have a mix of all age kids, I'll say things in a way where the older kids understand and the younger kids may not fully understand and that's okay. And the Lord will give you wisdom in that, but I just believe in not ever skipping scripture. You wouldn't want the church you go to to skip over hard scriptures, right? So you don't want to create a culture in your, your family where that happens. By the way, too many churches are skipping over scripture, okay? Uh, pick your scripture. 
Now, not too much. I've made that error because I get excited about it. I'm like, wow, this is such good scripture. We're going to read more and I just get into it. No, there is attention span issues. There is getting on with other things in the family and so forth. You're not giving a full sermon. You're teaching a piece of scripture. And less is more sometimes, especially on a daily basis, because you want them to remember at least one thing. What is one takeaway? This is in my mind. You want to simplify. You want to be the master of simplification. Simplify. What is the one takeaway I want them to have from this? You know? And so pick your scripture. Not too much. Super, super important. Let's uh, read in Hebrews. This is some encouraging scripture. Some of these you're going to be able to use. You might jot down and you remind your family of these scriptures from time to time as you're reading the scripture you did pick is right here for the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart wow for the word of God is living and active that's a scripture I'd hold in my back pocket if you use notes on your phone somehow whatever your app is you use that Write that one down. It is in Hebrews 4, 12, and it is so good because it talks about what the Bible is. And I reinvigorate belief in the Bible when, I, when I'm teaching the scripture of, of chosen. So that might be an extra little scripture as you're leading into what you're reading. You might hold up your Bible and go, for the word of God is the living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. This is living and active, kids. This is in a normal book. God literally breathed this through his people and it's perfectly accurate. Do you know in the book of John itself, there was over 30,000 manuscripts and they studied them to understand the validity or invalidity, if it was invalid, of the book of John. And because there was over 30,000 scrolls rather, that they found separate scrolls from all over and they studied them and they matched, the meaning of 30,000 scrolls matched, gave it the God-breathed validity to be in the Bible. So I just, um, you don't need to know that. You don't even need to share that with your kids necessarily. I learned that from uh, Josh McDowell, um, I think is his name, event I went with to with my kids where he had a huge scroll, original scroll there. It was so cool. So the validity of the Bible is important to remind your kids from a young age on and I do that. And that's one of those scriptures that you could do that. But pick your scripture. If you're reading through Philippians, that's what we're reading through right now. Or Ephesians or the book of James. It's straight to the point about faith and believing. So good. Or Proverbs. If you want just bite-sized small pieces, maybe you have real young kids. There's a lot of good stuff about obeying your parents in there. So Proverbs, you can just pick a proverb a day and it really doesn't take any preparation. That's probably the easiest thing you could do, and it's powerful. Easy doesn't mean it's not good. Do easy if it, it, rather than nothing, okay? Super important. So pick your scripture. Pick your book in the Bible. And you're like, what book in the Bible? Well, what are you reading? You know, Hebrews is a great book. You know, First and Second Corinthians, First and Second Timothy I love. I love the book of John, Matthew. Uh, so good. I mean, so rich, so many things. There's some aspects of Isaiah that are amazing for the family. Revelations, once you get into it, I maybe pick that later once you've been doing this a while and maybe when your kids are a little older. But I do it in front of my young and older kids. We've, we're going through the book of Revelations. I pause to do Philippians, but we're halfway through Revelations. So 
pick your scripture and stick with a book in the Bible and just do a little piece at a time. Or sometimes something is so riveting that you just pause what you're doing in the Bible, the book in the Bible that you're reading through, and you do that because it has to do with where the family's at right now and what they need. What does your family need, right? Now, I've found even if I'm going through a book in the Bible, every piece of scripture is what my family needs. That's how cool the Bible is. Or I can help make it what the family needs. I can make it relevant to the family, okay? So pick your scripture, and the next point is read it to yourself. Read it to yourself. Just read through it. And then you're going to think as you're reading through it, what's the context of the scripture? We don't want to take things out of context. Another benefit of reading through a book in the Bible, harder to take it out of context because you've read everything before in that book, right? If you're just going to a scripture, then you don't want to take it out of context. For example, um, see if I can find it quickly. I think it's going to be too hard, but in Philippians, oh, I think we're there. Okay, Philippians, this is just impromptu here. I just read this to my family, and it was super, super helpful. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's in Philippians 4.13. So many people take that out of context. I just recently read that to the kids, but I read what was before it. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to be abound. In any and every circumstances, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It doesn't mean my kids can be an NBA basketball player because they decide to do it and they just, God will strengthen me to do it. See, that's dangerous if it's a ticket to just do anything I want. That's not what he's saying there. It says, I can do all things. I can handle all challenges through him who strengthens me. I can handle any kind of persecution through him who strengthens me. I can overcome through him who strengthens me. But it's not a recipe just to put out there and say, I can just do anything. See, you want to have context. I just gave you an, a, an example of something people quote often and out of context. But I know that because I read what's before it. And so when you're reading through scripture, it's great. Just be careful of cherry picking and taking it out of context. So what's, think about it. What's the context? And then what is it really saying? Not what, what do I want it to say? What is it actually saying? Just literally make sure you teach what it's saying. And it's okay if you make an error here and there. Your wife, your husband will probably catch it and talk to you about it. And that's cool. Or you'll catch it later as you reread through it. And, or later on in life, God will teach you maybe a year from now. And you'll go back and you'll go, hey, I want to reteach this because I think it was a little off when I taught it before. And what's that teaching your kids? It's like, Whoa, he really reveres the word of God. He wants, he believes exactly what it says. In this world of craziness, that example is super important. Okay, so you're thinking about the context. You're thinking about what it's actually saying. And you're thinking about the relevance to your family and the relevance to what's happening in the world, perhaps. Especially if you have some older kids, two, six, seven, eight, nine. That was what I would count as older kids. Some relevance to what's happening in the world. So, because I pay attention to what's happening in the world, those things naturally flow out of me sometimes impromptu while I'm teaching. And more importantly is how is this relevant to the family? If you're the dad, mom should be giving you intel because you're working, right? Most likely and not around the kids as much as she is in most families. So if that's the case, you need to get good intel from her so you know the heart attitudes that are off in your family. And you know how to speak to it with scripture. 
It's one thing when you say it, and it's another thing when God says it. As long as you're giving reverence and they believe that what's in the Bible is God speaking directly to them. See, it's so important in parenting that it's not just your word, it's God's word saying it. And they're clinging to what God says. They should cling to what you say, but it's really helpful when God's backing up what you say. Really helpful. How often do you just speak to your kids and think they should trust you? They're human beings. They should. They're supposed to obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. They're supposed to, but we're all making mistakes and we tend to sin and veer off and we have the spirit of independence that started in the, the garden, right? In Genesis. So what is the relevance to your family? Okay, so think about that. So I'm going to back up real quick. You're going to pick your scripture. You're going to read it to yourself. You're going to think about the context, what it's saying, and the relevance to your family, and perhaps the world too. Maybe you're going to make some notes is my next point. You may make some notes. I've gotten to a point where I just underline a few things in my Bible, and I go for it. But when I was beginning with this, I would have little sticky notes, and I'd put a sticky note in my Bible and maybe jot down a few notes and a little extra preparation. It also depends how you're wired. Some people are wired in a way where they only want to teach something if they're prepared, and I admire that, and that's good, and it's good to know and understand who you are, and so you're going to be someone that's going to write more notes and take a little more time to prepare, and then there's some people who are a little more intuitive in how they're wired, and that's okay as long as you're not prone to making more errors because intuitive people do make more errors, and you don't want to make an error with the Bible, so... You know, just be careful of that, but whatever works for you, but jot down a few notes. I underline, I write in the margin of my Bible sometimes, because I also like a record of the time I taught this to my kids, and I, I just go, like, right here I'm looking at Philippians um, verse uh, one twelve, and it says 10K plus next to it, and I spoke to this last time because there's over 10,000 people in the Imperial Guard where it's talking about this. And so I have little notes in my Bible that remind me of research I've done. I did research to find out how many people are in the Nero's Imperial Guard that t to speak to how many people Paul impacted. You heard from the last episode, right? So I have little notes in my Bible. So you might write notes. And the next thing is draw and hold the attention of your family. So one of the things I do is the setup. It's really important to start well, okay? So, hey, yesterday we talked about this. Today, we're going to talk about this, kids, and uh, I want you to pay attention to this and maybe give them something to look for. I could do that more. It's a good idea for me. Give them something to look for. So maybe when you're making notes, what can I tell them in the beginning to look for? So they're looking forward to something So because our minds are so distracted. So if they're looking for that moment where you talk about something, then they're going to light up. Or you could even say, you know, raise your hand when, when you hear this. And then the first kid raises their hand and the other kids are back in attention. They, their minds might have been wandering. So that's a little trick you could use. Make sure you're relying on the Holy Spirit, you know, to help you. Perhaps you need to change the tone of your voice. You'll notice I try and do that as I speak to you, even more so when Angie's not here, right? Because it's just me speaking and there's no one else and it can be harder to listen to me. I understand that. Part of speaking is to slow down and know when to make your points and to know when to speed up to catch their attention. Now, I have lots of practice at this kind of thing and maybe you don't and you're not a speaker and those kinds of things and that's totally okay. But you can still get better at these things, right? Don't... Be boring. If you think you're boring afterwards, 
Don't let it get to you. Don't let it discourage you. Maybe start a little better next time. Always reflect and go, how could I do this a little bit better? And draw and hold the attention of your family. If they're really little kids, go short and be a little more animated, right? And, and bring it to an example. Always think of an example you could have with them. And these kinds of things with the scripture, okay? I know you probably want examples right now. I think that you don't need me to give you examples. What you need to do is to do it. And in doing it, the Holy Spirit will prompt you and you'll be so delighted and what comes to mind as you're teaching and you're like, I can't believe I thought of that. I can't believe that happened. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Because the desire of my heart's being fulfilled that I want to teach my kids and I want them to look at me as an authority with the Bible and I want them to know that they can always come to me to get answers in these things. And praise God, because I didn't think I was going to do very well and I don't know how well I did, but I know they heard the message and the example you brought to my attention was exactly what they needed and it's memorable and wow, thank you, Jesus. You know, that's the kind of walk we should have with God as we're teaching the word and it's right there for you if you're willing to do it outside of your own strength. And I do, I don't feel capable at times and I just do it anyways and, and there's times where I don't do it and I feel that guilt and I don't let it stay. We're not to live in guilt. I just do. I just repent and I do it the next day. That's it. Don't hold on so tightly where you're feeling bad about yourself. Just do it. But draw and hold the attention of your family. Examples are good. Not going too long. Now, another thing that holds their attention is asking questions. Now, this is rhetorical questions where you're asking a question and not wanting anybody to respond, but it's just to get them to think. And then there's when you ask a question, you want them to respond and you allow silence. Silence is beautiful. Allow silence to exist. It gets people who are less likely to respond to finally say something. But for some of you, especially if you're more outgoing, silence, one, 10 seconds of silence feels like an eternity. And you feel like, well, they have nothing to say. I'm going to start talking again. Nope. You should have so much silence, you feel uncomfortable, especially if you're outgoing. I'm not a more introverted, so silence I'm more comfortable with, but I even get uncomfortable with silence too long sometimes. But I've learned that to get people to interact and get them used to that, especially kids sometimes, I mean, sometimes not, they're gregarious and outgoing, but you need to be silent long enough for them to participate. And sometimes if one kid is always participating, you need to prep them beforehand and go, I love how participatory you are when we do Bible time, but I want other kids to participate too. So could you wait until, you know, one or two other kids have already said something before you say something next time? That will really encourage them. And what you're going to see is your participation in their, in their growth, their spiritual growth. And you're going to be really, you're going to feel happy afterwards because you're going to see them more involved. And that's just a powerful thing to manage groups well, right? As you see who needs to say less you see who needs to say more and engage and so i'll teach the scripture i'll read i literally read through the scripture and then uh actually sorry with a family that would be a sermon i read through it and then i teach it with a family i actually teach as i'm reading because usually there's not as much time and i don't want to go too long so i just teach it as i'm reading i'll pause and i'll talk about it and then i'll continue 
and and then I'll end and then I'll maybe share more about it and then I'll go hey what do you guys think about that or what do you think about this and or what did the scripture mean to you or what are you guys thinking about and they'll share things and I will say wow I, I always encourage and acknowledge if something's wrong I will correct it really gently and nicely uh, so it doesn't ever discourage them from participating in the future. And we'll have a good discussion about that. And it's so cool because Angie will pipe in and bring another texture uh, to what I'm teaching. And I love that. And then a uh, story might be shared. Then as they're talking, maybe something reminds me what's in the news. And I'll teach them about what's happening in the world. And we just have this rich time together. And don't be discouraged if no one else talks at first. It might take some time for them to work the muscle and get going as you do it. But just do it. God is faithful. He will give you uh, the patience you need too, which is the final point, uh, is you need to be patient. You definitely need to be patient with yourself. You need to be patient with your family in this. It's super, super important. I have a couple more scriptures I want to give you that are, I think, going to be really helpful. One is in Luke eleven twenty-eight. 28. It says, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Okay, that's Jesus talking right there. Isn't that what you want for your kids? is that they hear the word of God and they keep it. They've heard the word of God. The word of God has been so woven upon their hearts, so woven out throughout their childhood, that when they launch, they keep it. Isn't that what we want? It's not just because they go to church on Sunday. That is a recipe for disaster. It's not because they're in a youth group or something like that, that they're going to hold and they're going to keep it. You are most important in this equation. Other than God, God is the most important, the Holy Spirit. But you are the most important humans, parents, dad and mom to do this. It's so, so important. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Your kids are going to be a man of God, a woman of God, when they're older, and they need to be equipped. And Scripture is the way to do that, which is so, so important. In the book of John, go to, not if you're driving, but go to John chapter 1, says it all. The very first words of what I believe one of the most important gospel, the books in the gospel right here. So it's, um, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And you could continue if you want. And without him was not anything made that was made. So what is this saying? In the beginning was the word. I'll teach this to you as I would teach my family. So I read through it real quick, and sometimes I do it that way too. And then I'll go back through the first sentence. In the, in the beginning was the Word. What's the Word, kids? It's this. Yes, you're right. It's the entire book of the Bible. This whole thing, different human authors in God breathed. Isn't that incredible? And let's continue on. And the Word was with God. You could even talk about when was the beginning. The beginning of everything. Right before Humans, the very beginning. You could take them to Genesis if you want, where it talks about the beginning. Okay, so where is the beginning? And the word was with God. So this word 
was already with God. The Bible was already with God before human beings breathed into existence. Think about that. And the word was God. Wow. The word was God. Now, he, capital H here, he, Jesus, is who this he is, was in the beginning with God. Oh, wow. This is important. Jesus was there in the very beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. What do you guys think about this? It literally could be that simple. And this is an important scripture to weave in, maybe keep in your notes to bring out periodically, to bring confidence in the word of God and everything in it and to teach this. And so remember, it's really simple. You're going to pick your scripture. You're going to read it to yourself real quick. You're going to think about the context, what it's saying and the relevance to your family. Maybe a bonus is to the world. Maybe that's too hard at first. And then you're going to maybe take some notes, depending on how you're wired, more notes or less notes. And you're going to draw and hold their attention in the family. And that comes only through doing and experience and thinking about how you could do it better and having the Holy Spirit and ask, pray me, praying beforehand. And when you're noticing your kids getting bored, start speaking up and go, what do you think about this? And say somebody's name. And you're going to be patient. You're going to be patient. You're not going to expect perfect listening. You're not going to be dogmatic. You're not going to exasperate people. You're just going to trust that if I do this consistently over a long period of time, I'm doing what God wants me to do. And he's going to do the work in my kids. The Holy Spirit is going to do it. And sometimes they're more tuned in than others, but at least I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. So, hey, I hope that was helpful to all of you. Uh, let me know. It's a super encouraging when I get feedback and I hear. I would love to hear how you like this episode. So praise God for you and your support. We pray that you have an abundant week of reading the Bible and the Holy Spirit acting through you to teach your kids wonderful things that is way more powerful than the sermon you heard on Sunday for your family. Praise God. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. For more resources, go to Courageous Parenting and CourageousMom.com for free online workshops, blog posts, and best-selling courses. Also, we wanted to quickly tell you about our six-week online parenting mentor program. Isaac and I created a powerful biblical curriculum. Here's how it works. Each week, we release a video with a downloadable parenting packet to make it easy for you to incorporate those teachings directly into your parenting. This is an incredible self-paced program where we cover everything from obedience training to overcoming mistakes most Christians are making. But more than that, it's a supportive community. You'll have access to our private online group, live webcasts, and the Courageous Parenting text message line where Angie and I can send you weekly encouragements straight to your phone. If you're interested in joining our next online parenting mentor program, secure your spot now at CourageousParenting.com. That's CourageousParenting.com.